0: Good evening, everybody. I'm Hale. I'm an alcoholic. Hale. Um, my sobriety date is 6 14 of 2020. So I just celebrated my two years. Um, my home group is here. There is a solution. Um, you guys know what t- nights we would meet. And uh, I stay active with my sponsor. I sponsor other men. I um, have the pri- privilege to do that. Um, so I'm gonna get into some of my stories. So bear with me, you guys. It's been a minute. Um, so my background is Korean. So um, <laughs> I grew up. I grew up in Florida, a plantation. It's close to Fort Lauderdale. Um, my dad was very. I say that because my dad was very old school Korean. Like you, you got to be a lawyer or a doctor, or, or that's it. Like I'm gonna shun you, right? Um, but also he was. Uh, he was a very abusive, raging alcoholic. Um, his dad died young. He grew up in like gangs. He was, you know, he's like I said, he was alcoholic um, and a crack user. Um, my mom, not so much. She she uh, never drank a touch of alcohol. Um, she was a church goer. She took my sister and I to church uh, every Sundays. Um, growing up, I was. I was a weird kid. I was, there There was a really big, because I'm first generation Korean, so I came, uh, my parents were the first ones to come to the States when they're in their 20s, and uh, there was kind of that language barrier at home and uh, at school, so I had a lot of struggle in, in, in uh, school, like uh, my parents were like the baby boomer age, like they always worked, and uh, so my sister and I stayed home a lot, and uh you know, I, I didn't get to play sports. Like my parents didn't really take me to do extracurricular activities or anything like that. But um, abuse was very apparent in my household. Um, I remember my mom being, you know, in, in the hospital a couple times due to my, my dad's uh, alcoholism and, and drug use. And uh, um, growing up, I just had a really hard time um, making friends, being social. Um, Somebody once told me, like, I have PTSD, I always thought, like, relating that with, like, the military and stuff like that, and just, um, you know, thinking back on it, um, a lot of the abuse that I did receive was, uh, you know, it did have some effects on me, I think mentally, emotionally, and stuff like that, um, so growing up, uh, you know, I, I moved, to fast forward a little bit, I moved to North Carolina um, in seventh grade, like two, the year 2000, so um, you guys can do the math on how old I am. And I uh, and, uh, experienced a lot of racism throughout, throughout my childhood and up to that point, and, um, you know, I was already a very timid, shy, you know, reserved individual, like I kept to myself. I was a chunky little kid, so, you know, I got picked on even more. Um, so coming to North Carolina, you know, I experienced that more and more. So not only did I have that abuse, you know, verbally, physically, like at home, I had it at school. So, and um, I had it sometimes at church, uh, you know, how kids are. So um, coming to North Carolina, it was kind of to the point where um, I got a little bit bigger. It was just kind of fed up. So um the first time i got suspended was uh you know i I got into a physical altercation with somebody through uh some racist remarks towards me and uh you know you know what happens when you get back you know from school on a suspension you know when you're that age it's like oh yeah man like everybody wants to be your friend so i i I received that positive reinforcement due to that and that was my thing like i wasn't good at debating or arguing i was a type of one where you know, it could be just a civil kind of argument, and then I'll kind of use physical force because, you know, I wasn't good at talking, I wasn't good at debating, I wasn't really, um, that was just my rationale, my way of doing things uh, growing up, so um, that that kind of went on um, pretty much throughout my whole life. Um, I got expelled eighth grade, I had to go to ex- alternative school, and then um Going into ninth grade is when I kind of dabbled with uh, smoking weed, um, drinking alcohol and stuff like that, skipping school. Um, I never really applied myself I, I really just uh, I wanted the easy way out, and that was my way out um, from home life from you know from my social life and stuff like that so um, um, <clears throat> yeah i i didn't do too well in school like i barely i barely graduated and um never applied myself like i said um i went to jail for the first time in high school um hanging out with the wrong crowd um growing up in your adolescence you know you're trying to still figure out who you are so there was all these different stages i grew up My um, you know during like i said my adolescence where just trying to figure out who I was and what crowd I belonged to. And at that point it was really, you know, who, whoever would have set me, but, um, uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 have been on probation from middle school onward. Um, I always had those kind of handcuffs, you know, metaphoric handcuffs on me, um, throughout my life. And it was always that, you know, when people say that impending doom feeling like constantly all the time and, uh, because i i wasn't following that up with you know i mean it, it was like i would get in trouble you know my dad would beat the heck out of me and then it was like i'll change i'll change but then i'll just it's just more of a reason for me to do the same things everything was always a secret um in my house like my dad like i said he was very strict um mixed that in with alcohol um, abuse and uh and yeah like I, I i was never honest um inside the house um everything done in secret, and that happened from early, early, uh, from an early age. Um, fast forward a little bit more, um, like I said, I, I barely graduated, so, um, going into like a community college, you know, I was still doing the same thing, um, partying a lot, um, and then got, got into some more trouble with the law. And uh, this time it really caught up with me, so of course I went to prison for that and uh, was there for a little bit, went to a lot of fights because the first facility it sent me to was, I think it was 20 years old, so of course they sent me to Polk Correctional and... when they finally took me to minimum close, that's when I kind of did the cliche of when people get locked up of the whole, you know, um, going into the word. I was reading the Bible a lot and told myself I'll never, I'll never do this again. And I was released right after Christmas, right before New Year's. So I think I was so like sober maybe a day. Um, and then New Year's hit, and then uh, yeah, like I quit smoking cigarettes, everything. And this is when you know you could still smoke cigarettes in the prison and stuff like that. And I quit in there and everything and of course New Year's hit and I started smoking cigarettes and I was back at it again. Um, um harder than ever and uh like I said, I, I, I never applied myself so I got into really like selling drugs, the uh, immediate I tried to do job after that it was worse because um you know with these with these charges that I had too it was just kinda really discouraging like like employer after employer I, I couldn't get employed with um the record that I had. Um and so, of course that that was my way my my cop out right was to was to sell drugs like a lot of us do right and uh, and that really caught up to me um it got to the point where you know i I couldn't really live to my means i was um so it it was really toxic, a lot of toxic relationships as well um I was really selfish, but I would do like little. Little things kind of justify that to make me feel better about myself, and uh, I see that today. Um, So, 2014, just to fast, uh, so I I started, I I broke my leg. That's a big segue, like kind of big, big point in my life too, is um, I broke my leg. And um obviously the, the doctor prescribed me to medication which which made everything a lot worse. Um I was partying even harder and uh at that time my uh uh the girl I was with at the time got pregnant. So um it was just a mixture of all these things. Like I was I was bedridden. I broke my femur, so I I was bedridden for probably like a year and a half and didn't do physical therapy, any of that stuff and uh just was deeper and deeper into, you know, into that self-pity and that self-remorse into that, into that darkness. And, um, and I had a, you know, baby, a uh, kid on the way. And, um, you know, another thing, you know, I would have these little stints of, you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try to, you know, um, change my life for this baby. And, uh, nothing I did or, or said or promised to myself, to God, anything would, uh, change that. And, uh, you know, sometimes I still beat myself up that uh, about that today, and uh, so that that was really toxic. It got to the point where um, on his mom's side, uh, her parents, so his grandparents, uh, ended up taking custody of my child, and uh, it was the best thing for him at the time. Like, I, I was a piece of nothing. Like, I, I couldn't even fend for myself, and... Uh, at that point, that was like, kind of like that, you know, enough is enough, and um, uh, I got exposed to recovery for the first time, homeless shelter rec- um, recovery program, uh, the Healing Place in 2014, and uh, it, it, it really helped me a like, lot, exposed me to AA, and uh, the fellowship, the rooms, and everything like that, and um, I stay sober for about 11 months, I believe and it didn't take long after you know when when you promise yourself like i'm going to start going to meetings i'm going to stay in touch with my sponsor um i really half-assed it i I didn't really truly fully do and practice the steps like every day you know i was i wasn't honest about things i wasn't fully willing i had reservations in my mind so it it didn't last long i think it was maybe a week or two i was back smoking weed and, and partying again and um Uh, so, so at this point I'm just in and out of that. I ended up that a year or so after that ended up, um, losing custody once again to my son where I had him back for a little bit and then grandparents took him back. So, um, yeah, at, at this point I was like in Chapel Hill or something like that and, and living in my car, um, serving right that's the best for us because we get paid every day in cash right so that that was the job i kind of stayed on and it was like that for a couple of years and i'd have a little sense of sobriety then too um going to detox here and there you know and maybe maybe put up a month or two and uh But it was never, even when I was sober, or had that little bit of time, it never really did anything for me. I was still sick, you know, you take away that, and you still have yourself, and and I did. and I still did have myself. It was, there was nothing spiritual, there was nothing fulfilling me. Um, So fast forward a little bit more, it was, uh, you know, I I ended up, so I grew up in High Point, North Carolina, so um, I ended up going back to High Point Things got really bad. Obviously, I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't. I was getting evicted. I couldn't pay for rent. I couldn't, you know, people that I was couch surfing on didn't really um, <coughs> want me to stay there anymore. So, um, ended up going back to High Point and uh, went to live with my sister and. Uh, and it got really bad there too, as well to the point where I, th- I think I wrecked her car and uh, didn't really remember that day. And uh, she uh, she just told me I had to go and uh, gave me like a couple days to leave. And luckily, I still kept kind of in touch with the people in the program. Um, and they drove all the way from Raleigh to High Point to come get me. And uh, I, I, at that point, I was kind of done. I was like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm ready to do this. And. Uh, and that's what i did like they came they came um they came he came to get me and uh that was june 14th that was june 14th and because uh, i called in they were still you know covid was going on and and they had like remote detox and i knew they're opening the other facility on the 15th um so i had him pick me up on the 14th so i can go there on the 15th and uh and I stayed there for I think it was like uh, that just that day, and um, was sick as a dog, just um, going through withdrawals and everything. And uh, and and they were going to a healing place, to that homeless shelter recovery place for for uh, a couple of weeks before they found out that I had uh, sepsis in my blood. And you know, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, like. Um, infection of of your blood, you know, like that's they give you a couple of antibiotic pills and send you on your way. They're like, no, you got to stay here for like three months. Um, and I didn't do the first time, you know. I'm stubborn as can be, so um, I think I stayed there the very minimum, like 14 days or something. Went back to the healing place, and uh, and uh, I think it was exactly 16 days later it came it came back and. uh, went back to the hospital and I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay this time. And and, uh, yeah, it it was a, it was a good experience. Like um, I I had, I, I maintain, who's my sponsor today. I maintain like connection with him and, 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 Uh, reached out to him. I was like, you know, I, I really need a, I really need a sponsor to do this. Like, I'm tired, and I'm, I'm ready to do this. And uh, he took me through whether it was like Zoom or on the phone. Um, he, he took that time to really take me through the steps, through the reading line by line. And um, at that point, it was like I didn't. It, I wouldn't say it was the same, same um, feeling like situation when I was incarcerated, where it's like you're incarcerated, you really don't have anything to do, right? That's just kind of the time passing. Um, whereas this was like, the doors were open. I mean, it, it was, I was a lot more willing just, uh, to do it a lot more honest about what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, my motivation, um, you know, I know some people say like do it for yourself, but I'd be lying if I if I said like my biggest motivation was my son. Um, and that's who I really wanted to do it for. Cause I, I, I didn't care about myself. Like, and, uh, that that's how that's how I began so um, you know he would do those zoom meetings I'd have you know friends throughout you know the whole process Um, you know once in this room today he he'd come he'd come visit me you know on on while he was working and stuff and and, you know I have support from other people that kind of kept in touch with me throughout the years um, from when I came to Raleigh in 2014 until that point in 2020 and uh, And it was things like that, once your head gets, you know, my head started getting more clear, and and, um, I started, you know, my withdrawals kind of dissipated a lot more, um, you know, where I started to appreciate, like, because at the first first time when I went there, it was just kind of like, you know, I don't don't care if I die, whatever, it's, you know, nobody's going to care. but the second time when I went back to the hospital um, after that 16 days of going back to the to the homeless shelter, it was, it was to the point where I was like, yeah, like, you know, reality kind of set in once my mind cleared where I was like, you know, I, I really don't want to die starting to think about my son and, and, and other people um, in my life. And uh, so... Yeah, that's, and then after that, I, I pretty much went to um, an Oxford house. I went to another transitional living. Um, I've been to some before, but this time it was, it was a little bit different. I left the healing place a little bit earlier. Um, and, um, yeah, just kind of started being a part of everything, just kind of becoming that yes man to everything. And that was, you know, whether it was like giving people rides or, um, you know, being honestly doing the fourth step honestly just kind of being open any situations that arise any any anything difficult in my life like I can lean on people that that really truly like love me and um like I've never had that before and and that's a big deal to me and and sometimes I lose sight of that today like I, I do like I'll get really complacent and um as good as it sounds when I'm when I'm saying like I'm, I'm reserved and I'm timid, I mean I, I still have that kind of conceitedness about me sometimes, and it's like it's it's not about looks or anything like that. It's, it's more about like. um Kind of like it's hard to sp- explain but you know just I-, I don't really need you i don't need anybody and, that, and that's just my that's just my cop out on things it was it was always a cop out like my dad abusing me that I-, I used that throughout my life as an excuse um for how my life was leading and i always think about certain situations other people have like there's people that you know what's the you know what do people say when when people have different, like the same, like if worse, worse circumstances, I mean, it's you know they they kind of get out all right. But um, that was that was my cop out. Um, I could have changed. <laughs> Definitely, um, did not know how to cope with a lot, of, a lot of that stuff, and that's what that's because I was just so closed on the inside. I wouldn't let people in. Um, and that's, that's what AA has kind of taught me, is, is to just kind of trust you guys. Because, I mean, when I first came in, it was just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. It was all about hate. I thought everybody was racist in here. I didn't want to associate with anybody. It was, it was just all hate. And I wasn't, I wasn't given like, I wanted all these things. Like, I always hear people like, oh, I was approached when I first came in. I was like, nobody did that for me. Like, it's, like, no, it must be because you're racist, right? So... <laughs> and you know that, that that's the thinking that i had like that sick thinking it was just like that's, that makes no sense and i mean I, I was stuck in that for years and years like it, it was it was bad like I, I just always exuded this hate and and i always had any if i did have people around me it was they were in that same mentality all they wanted to do was crime and, and exude that hate out and um that's Just not who I am, like it's, it's deep down, even when I was doing stuff like that, it's just not who I was. Like, I always had that impending doom, like that bad feeling inside me. I knew what was right from wrong, but uh, that was just my way of coping, um, throughout my life, and uh, so yeah, um, getting back on track. I uh, I was in that Oxford house and and I've been giving back, and I, and I uh. It's just I started becoming a lot more grateful and, and looking at, you know, a different, different perspective on life, you know. Um, you know, I always say, like, love and understanding is is what we need. And uh, I always try every day to put myself in other people's shoes because um, I never know where somebody's at in their headspace. Because um, I know for me, like, it was I put myself in a lot of different head spaces where it was very toxic, but I never really you know t- had anybody to talk to really um, to let that out and I do today and I'm grateful for that today um, but yeah, going through the steps i uh you know i I try to be i, I was very very gung ho when I was in that um, in that Oscar house and uh and I had to be because I always had that mentality of you know whether you know I, I could be I should be dead right now I should be dead and that's what kind of that's what kind of got me through of honestly doing like the fourth step and um honestly going through um every steps like and and kind of um disclosing a lot of stuff to my sponsor um is I, I kept that mentality of you know I should be dead today. Um, I, t- I take very lightly sometimes. Still, t- till this day, when I like I said, when I do get complacent, like that hospital, the, the homelessness, the um, all the other things that I've in situations that I've been in, and uh, I take a lot of things for granted. But um, I try to m- humble myself every day. Um, I don't do this as much, but I, you know, I, I still do it a couple of times. You know, a lot of my, you know, my my connection with God has has really increased. Like like I said, I, w- I went to church all my life my, with my mom, but I never really um, practiced anything, right? I, I didn't practice what I preached, and, um, you know, it wasn't until somebody showed me, like, the right way, because it, it was, you know, it, it, it was all about me, like... It, I was very selfish as far as that, you know, I feel like some, you know, people owed me something with the abuse and, and this and that and and everything I've been through, you know, and, and, um, I justified that a lot with the actions that I did. Um, and, and so, uh, sorry, I'm getting stuck here for a second. Uh, So yeah. going through the steps with my sponsor. Um, when I was in that Oscar house, I I, uh, I did end up, did end up doing that fifth step with my sponsor. And, um, you know, I didn't have any kind of, uh, any kind of wow moment, um, anything that really jumped out at me. It wasn't until probably when I started doing my amends is when, when things started happening for me. Um, I think a long time friend of mine that, uh, that I had lost through, through everything I was doing, um, and lost, lost connection with, like, I, I think I ended up borrowing money and never, never calling back. I mean, this was like, literally like a, a brother of mine and I never, I ended up calling him back and, um, it, it had me in tears, um, just how just normal he was as far as receiving that. And, uh, and we're okay today. And, uh, I, I was able to make that right. And, uh, and that just kind of kept the ball rolling and made me trust what I wanted to do. Because in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't really. When I was first exposed to AA, when I did have those reservations, like I didn't, I didn't want to go to meetings every day and, and and associate with people. And God forbid, I would never think of myself being up here like talking to anybody. So, um, yeah, it's a magical thing, though, um, because somebody did it for me. Like, I've heard plenty of speakers and went to plenty of meetings where, where it did touch my heart and, and um, make me want to change, like, help me throughout the journey. And, uh, and you know, I, I have, today, I have, I have uh, established friendships, like, real brotherhood, sisterhood, um, people that truly care about me. And, uh, you know, once, you know, I started a business... Um, Striving like, and my partner, somebody I met through um, the program in 2014 when I when I first got exposed to recovery in Raleigh, and um, like, who would have thought two people who have this disease like would be able to like start a business and get organized and do this, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Like, I trust, like he's my brother. I trust him with my life with these things, and that's somebody in the program because he also also practices the principles. Um, that you guys have taught me. And, uh, you know, I I have a great relationship with my son today. Um, It's to the point where now, um, if it wasn't due to the business, I'll probably have him full time. Um, He's still with his grandparents, but I can have him whenever um, I'm supportive. Try to do the best I can as being a father, Um, but he's eight years old. So, you know, you can imagine how I'll let go sometimes. But um I i I get to be in his life today and um you know the, today it's just I try my best to walk walk the that path, that way of life where um it is exuding that love and that tolerance, that patience for other individuals, um, because you guys did it for me as well. Um I know that's Soon, isn't it? Soon, isn't it? Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I think that's all I have. But thank you.